Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome to the December 25th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. This week, because of the holiday, we're doing something a little different. On this episode, we'll hear Automotive News publisher Jason Stein talk with incoming Magna International CEO Swami Kotagiri, who is replacing the retiring Don Walker on January 1st. The interview originally took place on the Automotive News Daily Drive podcast on December 14th. So, without further ado, here's Jason and Swami. Enjoy. Well, Swami, it's good to talk to you again. How are you? Good, Jason. How are you? Glad to be here. I'm well, thank you. I've got to imagine that uh, the role that you're going to take is not only the culmination of um, many years at Magna working alongside Don, but it also has to be fulfilling in that now you have the opportunity to also extend the vision that you've helped uh, create, as you said. What, what's the most, I guess, uh, opportunistic or, or perhaps exciting part of the role that you're going to be taking? Uh, I've been with the company over 21 years uh, in various roles as an engineer, doing, you know, doing R&D, doing product, uh, uh, just the product launches, the operational side of things in the last seven years as the CTO and responsible for profit and loss of some divisions or some groups. Uh, the most important thing for me is the humbling experience that, uh, you know, after working for such a long time in a company to be able to uh, work with the colleagues uh, to make an impact in the industry. It's, you know, just recognizing the decisions that I make and uh, we kind of draft the direction for the company, hopefully for the next 60 and 100 years. Uh, we have done well over the last 60 and evolved and continue to evolve. Uh, and we are about, you know, 150,000 strong and, you know, continue to provide the value that we have, not only to the industry, but the 150,000 families and how do we grow that family? So that's the, the most interesting part. And to see some of the strategies that we've been talking about come to fruition and hopefully lay the foundation for the future. When Don retires at the end of the month, you're going to be the first new CEO in more than a decade. Are there changes that you're itching to make? I've been fortunate enough, Jason, to have been able to work closely with our current CEO, Don Walker, and have been you know, involved with the larger Magna Management Group and the board over the last few years uh, as we define and refine the strategy. So it's a very cohesive uh, transition and approach. Um, so I, it, it's, I would say, a continuation uh, of the strategy to address some of the key things. And we are going through the process of the normal business plan and, you know, make it very granular and be able to articulate the priorities and the details in the normal process in the outlook uh, in February 2021. Magna has been doing some things really well over the past decade in terms of growth and performance. And as evidence at the mid-year point of 2020, when so many suppliers were sounding alarms and 
facing financial difficulties due to the pandemic, Magna actually paid out a shareholder dividend. Looking forward into that next decade, what is Magna wishing it could do better? What's the company hoping to improve about its performance? I think we've always had a very cohesive strategy, you know, lessons learned from 2008, 2009. Uh, you know, like you said, we have a very unique uh, decentralized entrepreneurial structure. But, you know, as we came across uh, this crisis, uh, obviously, like most of the companies and the industry was doing, we're meeting together, but the leadership was working on different streams because of how we are structured. We had the ability to implement it quickly, but the team coming together and looking across and learning from each other, uh, you know, helped us do things in a very agile fashion. And I think that's, that's extremely important and helped us be a little bit different, um, not just doing what's necessary for our company, but also do our little bit for the overall industry. Look, uh, we are a $3 trillion industry roughly, and it's complex and it's evolving and fast changing. And we are the third largest supplier at 40 billion or so. And that means the way we look at it, there is a lot of opportunity to further align our products with the car of the future to play an even larger role in the industry. Uh, what I mean by the larger role, we have a great depth and system knowledge in various products, whether it's body and chassis, powertrain, seats, ADAS, and to top it all, we are unique in a sense that we can design, engineer, and manufacture a complete vehicle. Uh, so with all of this, I'm really excited uh, and, and looking forward to, you know, more opportunities that we can bring to the market. Related to that, uh, maybe you can give us a bit of a window into what emerging Magna technologies to keep an eye on. Of the many fields in which Magna operates, from door handles to metal stamping to advanced autonomous driving technologies, where will the action be in the next few years, Swami? I think the way I look at it, Jason, is we have a, a foundational uh, core in the products, whether it's body and chassis, the exterior systems, the seating, and so on, whether it's mechatronics, like you said, some of the things you mentioned. Uh, we have the capital installed base. We have the product and process uh, knowledge, Um which actually serves as a barrier to entry, uh, not just from a capital-based perspective, but also the knowledge and the market position that we have there. So we continue to uh, grow uh, in all of those fields and generate cash, uh, you know, with the discipline that we had in our financial structure. Uh, we are able to now look into investments, whether it be organic or inorganic in uh, product areas that are, having an accelerated growth rate, whether it be due to electrification or assisted driving or autonomy, I kind of differentiate the two. Uh, so we, we are continuing to invest, as we talked about in the past, uh, in electrification and ADAS. Not only that, I think we are able to bring different systems together because of our broad portfolio. A good example was bringing mirrors uh, and camera systems together in a product, what we call as Clearview. We just recently won a business with a North American OEM. So that is a unique example. And obviously the other one is 
with electrification uh, and with the platform strategy that they've had in different product areas, uh, enabling some of the newcomers. Uh, Fisker is a good example. Uh, is is the call it the next step if you want uh, to play our role in the mobility ecosystem. We'll hear more from incoming Magna CEO Swami Kodagiri after this. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Let's talk a little bit about the electric vehicle front for a moment. It it seems like for the past number of years, the default message on EVs has been that they're going to show enormous growth, but will still, for many years to come, not become more than a small percentage of North American auto sales. Do you believe that? Do you feel that interest in EVs is suddenly picking up speed? We definitely see a little bit of acceleration in the take rate and the growth, Jason, but uh, we have always said electrification is more a secular growth, uh, secular trend, not as much as whether it happens in the next two years or three years, but how to prepare our products and our strategy in a way that will enable us to be a little bit flexible to the take rates, whether it happens in three years or five years. And from a product perspective, we've always said how, you know, in our product, at least being agnostic to the power, you know, how do we bring power to the wheels and focus on the roadmap and transition of the products that we have, uh, whether it goes into hybrids during the transition or the full electrics. A good example is our uh, dual clutch transmission. And as we went to the hybrids, we went into the, uh, what we call the hybrid dual clutch uh, with a e-motor integrated, providing some coasting and sailing functions. And finally, a DHT, which could be applicable to a full electric vehicle. And the same thing from a driveline perspective, we are market leaders in all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, and we are transitioning to e-drives, and we already have you know a few programs in e-drive systems uh, that we supply or will be making, I think one is public information for the VWMEB platform in China and for the other, one other North American OEM. So we've been more focused on how to keep ourselves flexible and scalable and modular in our strategy. So even if the take rates differ a little bit, we are prepared for the future. For the past few years, Swami, Magna has positioned itself as a supplier of what we what you might call tier 0.5, in other words, bigger than a tier one, a supplier that's capable of producing pretty much an entire vehicle, but doing so for an automaker customer. And you've done so recently for a Chinese startup. 
Is that business landscape changing as 2020 ends? Do you expect to see more opportunities to actually develop and deliver vehicle platforms to vehicle assemblers in the decade to come? We are definitely seeing, whether it be because of electrification or call it the changing business models, you know, of personal uh, ownership versus mobility as a service, um, you know, we, we are definitely seeing a lot of discussion with the OEMs looking at different variants or newcomers. And that is where we believe we can play a unique role. We definitely do not want to be an OEM or a brand. So with the breadth of products that we have and the platform strategy that we have and the ability to understand how all systems come together uh, from our full vehicle engineering and full vehicle manufacturing, uh, we, we definitely see a lot of conversations with anybody who is uh, thinking as a newcomer or an existing OEM who is looking at, you know, uh, variants and, you know, other business models. And a number of non-North American startup automaker ventures currently aspire to have North American vehicle assembly. And Magna has long said that with the right customer scenario, it would like to bring its Austrian auto assembly unit, Magna Steyr, of course, here. Is there a realistic opportunity to ever do that? Uh, Jason, for sure. We are not only present in Europe, um, in like you said, in Graz and Hoche. We are also doing full vehicle manufacturing now in uh, with our partnership with BJEV in China, the Artfox. Uh, and as we had discussions with Fisker, uh, you know, we were open to the idea in the future of having a North American footprint. So I, I see definitely an opportunity going forward. Uh, of that coming at some point in time. Do you see the change in leadership in the United States um, as an advantage for Magna in in terms of asking for trade situations that could be more beneficial? That is to be seen, Jason. Like, as you know, in the automotive industry, the cycles are long, (laughs) and what's decided now, right, really has an impact three or four years down the road, right? So it's a... Call it a large board that takes time to turn. Um, you know, having uh, the transparency in trade uh, or not is definitely going to impact the strategy in terms of where you put your capital and how and uh, things through the manufacturing um, and, and the logistics of where do you build and ship. Um, with the USMCA, that I think has been addressed to a large extent in this side. Uh, but what happens in trade is always something we got to uh, keep our eyes on. But it's it's not as much a magna topic. I would say it's a industry wide um, topic that needs to be addressed together. Let me ask you a macro view of the North American auto industry. We are rightly described as a mature market. We typically expect mature markets to deliver just moderate growth or modest growth. Is that really true today? Do do you, as the incoming CEO of the industry's one of the industry's largest suppliers, see North America instead continuing to post real growth as the population grows, as auto sales change and evolve, and as more and more manufacturing is invested in new operations here? Uh, I have always looked at North America as one of the cradles of innovation, right? And as innovation happens, uh, whether it be manufacturing or uh, other business models, it, it continues to prosper. Even in our industry, you see uh, the landscape shifting or changing significantly 
you know, the OEMs, the tier one suppliers, the consumer electronics industry, the lines uh, are blurring. Um, connectivity and, you know, that's starting to have an impact on our business. So the impact of one industry on the other uh, is going to be significant. And uh, as that becomes more complex, uh, I only see that as an opportunity for new things to come up. And whoever stays in that forefront are really the winners in the in the long cycle, I would say, Jason. So I am still very bullish uh, about what we could do in North America. Swami, I've known you for several years. I, of course, know your predecessor extremely well. Give me your thoughts on Don's impact at Magna. Uh, Don's been more than a CEO, right? Obviously, he is the CEO to me. He's a friend, philosopher, and guide. And I can confidently say that if you ask a lot of people in Magna, that's what you would hear. Uh, he was a very genuine human being, uh, very approachable, and that culture uh, pervaded throughout the company, and my job is to keep it alive. Uh, just, just that humility and uh, approachability is an important thing, and uh, that's what kept the team to be very cohesive. Uh, I plan to build on that um, and, and catalyze further growth as possible because the industry is changing. Uh, it, it's not as much as just doing exactly what he did, but build on what he did. And uh, keeping his legacy alive would be to lay the foundation to make Magna relevant and keep it going uh, for the next 60 or 100 years. Swami, we wish you well in your new role. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Jason. And if I don't get a chance, uh, happy Christmas and uh, great holiday and a good new year. You were listening to automotive news publisher Jason Stein speaking with Magna International CEO Swami Kodagiri on an encore presentation of the December 14th edition of the Automotive News Daily Drive podcast, which ran on our sibling website, autonews.com. If you'd like to be a guest on Automotive News Canada Conversations, have a suggestion for this show, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode and this season of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time and all through next year. Happy holidays, everybody.